0: You know, sometimes people ask me, hey, Matt, I want to work for a startup. Which type of startup should I work for? And they're asking to know, like, which startups do I think are going to be the biggest, right? The ones that end up like Google and Facebook. When I actually don't think this is how potential startup employees should be looking at where they work. Yes, they want to join a company that's up to the right, that's growing really quickly. But one thing I think that is kind of overlooked many times is the culture fit. And how are you able to determine if there might be a culture fit or team fit before you even join the team? Well, I found something that actually enables you to do this, and it's called JobServe. JobServe gives you the edge that you need to understand your personal work style and how that affects the job you do and those you work with. Ultimately, you fill out their assessment, then you're able to see, oh, this is my work style, and I gel with these types of people or this type of team, and this is the type of team that I may not gel with. For example, I took the assessment, and there's a few things that I learned. One. My temperament is I'm a driver. My primary tendency is to take control of situations. I prefer more of an independent approach with an emphasis on persistence, pragmatism, and a strong will. What's my leadership tendency? It's relationship-based. I prefer to focus more on relationships in order to support and motivate others Whether the individuals report to me or not, these are things that I've learned where if I ever in the future wanted to work for a startup, I would keep these in mind. Would I want to work for a startup that doesn't like drivers, doesn't want independent-minded thinkers? Well, if that's the case, I wouldn't work there, right? And I now know that because I've taken this quiz. So for you, if you are thinking of breaking into startups, you want to understand what startup would be a good fit for you, I highly encourage you to go to jobserve.com. That's J-O-B-S-U-R. RV.com. Take the assessment and learn more about yourself so you understand what team would be the best fit for you. And how about this? After you take the assessment, email me, matt at mattsherman.com. Let me know what your results are, and I'll bring a couple of you onto the podcast to chat with me about your results and what that means and what types of startups might be a good fit. So if you are interested in understanding yourself better and, more importantly, understanding what type of startup is the best fit for you on a cultural level – on a team fit level, go to J-O-B-S-U-R-V dot Take the assessment and email me at Matt at Matt And maybe I'll pick a couple of you to come on the podcast and chat about your results. And note, if you're an employer, this is for you, too. You can use JobServe ultimately to make sure the people that you hire are aligned with you culturally and a team fit. That is J-O-B-S-U-R-V Com. Check it out, email me once you fill out the assessment and maybe I'll have you on the podcast. Now let's get into today's episode. What is going on everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. I am very grateful to have your attention at least for the next 15 minutes of this episode. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we talk to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to Don Ho, who is the co-founder of Seam. Welcome to the show. How's it going?
1: Hey, thanks for having us. Uh, Really excited to talk about uh, our company, and uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to learn more about, about Seam. It honestly seems fascinating just by browsing the website, so I'm excited to dive in. For people that don't know what you're working on. They haven't heard of Seam. Can you kind of share what you're working on?
1: Totally. So Seam uh, is building an API for automating homes and buildings. Uh, we connect with a lot of different types of building IoT devices and then just provide a really simple interface for uh, controlling them. With Seam, you can control door locks, uh, control thermostats, read energy meters, just really you know, like connect to any IoT system out there and use software to, to automate it.
0: Mm-hmm. So... I will preface this by saying I'm not the most familiar with the IOT world, so I, I might ask some naive questions or basic questions. That's fine. Um, but, like, with that, I kind of have a couple questions to, um, to kind of help better understand what this is. So mm-hmm. for people that are listening, that um, obviously most people are probably familiar with IOT and smart homes, but can you kind of just, like, describe overall, like, what's going on in IoT and homes, why this is relevant now, or maybe it wouldn't have been, like, a decade or two ago, and kind of what's going on with smart homes, Then we can kind of, like, dive into, like, how this actually works?
1: Yeah, totally. Um, so, at a higher level, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, smart devices out there. They speak a lot of different protocols, like Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. Uh, there's also some smart home protocols called Z-Wave and ZigBee that are, uh, a little bit more special and um, but basically uh, our idea is that we can kind of connect to all of these different systems and uh, expose, them on the, expose them on the software side. Uh, I think something that has uh, is, 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 is new uh, in this day and age is uh, there are a lot more uh, companies that are coming up and sort of revamping old industries and a lot of times you know say like a food delivery service right They they need to Automate door locks or automate some temperature sensing in their in their in their space, uh, and and have the need to sort of deploy a little bit of IoT to kind of make that happen. Um, yeah, I think just like just in general, uh, smart devices can help you uh, streamline your automations by giving you sort of uh, remote sensing of uh, a particular space. And like
0: something um, that mm-hmm. that I you know i'm you know fascinated by about this is the fact that there's more and more devices being built. Mm-hmm. Like there's light bulbs, there's thermostats, yeah. there's locks. Um, so I'm kind of – but the thing is, this is where my na- naivete comes in. So there's like all these different platforms. Like th- I think there's like Hue or there's something mm-hmm. for the door. I don't, I don't know the brands, but there's yep. all these different brands. I'm curious for you, are you like the OS that connects all of these? Or can you kind of describe a little bit more on how – Um, what you're building with seam kind of fits into the smart home layer as people listening they might have one Hue, they might have one this or Mm -hmm. that but like kind of how would they be able to potentially use seam in their smart home stack
1: yeah definitely i feel like the consumer iot space has really kind of blown up in in the recent years right there's like all all these different manufacturers that are building all these different devices uh and and all of them sort of like speak a couple common protocols uh and really the idea of Seem is like, you know there are all these amazing devices out there already, uh, but the the tricky thing is that there's not a lot of diff, uh, great interfaces for connecting to them. Like sure, like on the consumer side, you can have a, your mobile phone app, right, and you can sort of change the color of your light or open a door lock. But if you're trying to automate, you know, thousands of these devices, uh, just using a mobile app might might not be good enough for you, right? It's it's you you, you might want a dashboard to see like your whole fleet, or you might ha- want to have some sort of like specialty management, uh, you know, authorizations for, for controlling who can sort of control which device. Um, so really, I think with seeing we're, we're trying to bring this consumer IoT world into uh, the enterprise, uh, such that, you know, companies who are trying to make use of these devices have all the tooling that they need uh, to, to make the best uh, use of it. Mm-hmm.
0: That actually blows my mind because, like, I'm thinking as a consumer, you know, oh, I got my little light bulb, I got my little yep. door lock, but you're talking about, like, oh, like, how can we get these, like, you know, bigger companies using this kind of technology? And, of course, mm-hmm. a smartphone's not going to do the yep. job, and you're almost, like, you're, you're, you're catering to this, um, which is awesome. would love to kind of hear why did you decide to get started with Seam and kind of what's the origin story for wanting to build this?
1: Yeah, totally. So uh, before Seam, I spent two years working at this company called Sonder, uh, they are basically a tech-enabled hotel company. They rent apartments, and then they turn them into these beautiful, uh, you know, beautiful apartments and rent them out as hotels, basically. Uh, and there I was working, uh, I was leading their IoT team. And really, initially, the vision of that team was we wanted to turn these apartments into smart homes, right? Like, you, know, you can open the door and the lights turn on and the music starts playing. Uh, it was kind of this beautiful vision. But when we actually got to the nuts and bolts of, you know, deploying an enterprise IoT network, we found that, wow, you know, it's really hard, right? So like all these spaces are, are very different. There might not be like an outlet next to the, the door you want to automate, right? Like just, it's just very different. Um, and uh, what we actually were able to do was, uh, you know, integrate, uh, automate their their access system such that You know, when people showed up to uh, the hotel, like they can just get the key code from the email and get into get into the room without having to check in or deal with any staff. Um, So, yeah, I think throughout that whole process of like sort of uh, integrated, you know, ten thousands of different door locks, I I really learned like how tricky it can be to to work in the enterprise IoT space. Um, You know, it's really with all these different buildings. Like sometimes you're controlling gyms and trying to be controlling, you know, intercom systems. There's Really, a, a, a wide variety of uh, hardware vendors you kind of have to work with, and uh, that, the idea of Seam is that you know we can do this once we can do all of these integrations, and you know like like Plaid sort of integrating uh, banking infrastructure, we're trying to integrate all of these different building IoT infrastructure, and then expose that uh, simple interface to to companies that want to want want to work with it. Yep.
0: Are are there? Um are there types of like hardware devices that you work more of like, like as you're working yep. in the enterprise space, are you working like other like five categories like thermostats or doorknobs or locks? Like is there patterns that you're finding or oh, does yeah. it kind of depend on the company on what they use?
1: Totally. It's it's actually funny. Like we're, we're working with a couple companies in um, very different industries. Uh, for instance, uh, there's, hospitality, of course, Uh, and then there's uh, some self-storage companies um, that are using us to automate, like letting people into the building and like, you know, uh, doing a little bit of security monitoring. Uh, Lastly, there's also ghost kitchens, uh, which are these restaurants that don't have a storefront, but they uh, cater directly to food delivery services. And they're using us for uh, some temperature monitoring and other types of safety monitoring, basically. Um, And even though these three industries are so different uh they're actually uh using you know using a lot of the same problems uh for instance like both hospitality and self storage uh need to provide people with access to the building, so we're integrating with a lot of different door locks and access management systems and uh providing that to them uh The other category of uh problems that we solve is uh kind of reading data from various different sensors. It could be like a temperature or like a door sensor or uh, motion sensing, right? And then just storing that data and and exposing that to to the companies.
0: And another question that I have is this is such a – um, I mean, I guess it's, there's tons of companies in the IoT space, but for me, it's unique. Um, like I, I, I don't have so many IoT founders on the podcast, which is really exciting to me that you're in IoT. What is like an average? Like, as you're building out this team, um, your team, are you looking for on the on the IoT side? Like, what types of skills are you? Do you oh, look for when you build out this team? Like, is it specific? Like, I, I don't even know how to ask the question, but like, is there a specific like? <laughs> Types of company that you build if you're in the IoT space is it, is it programming like C sharp or like JavaScript I don't know like how do you think about hiring a team in this specific space?
1: Interesting yeah it's 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 funny but uh, there's actually a lot of like I, f- I feel like a lot of the libraries that we are using are actually written in modern languages uh, so like you can really uh, just use Python to to control all of these uh, devices and uh, there's all the also all of this infrastructure for running say like Docker containers on these little uh, Linux computers, right? So I think really um, the, like, you don't have to write in C or C-start to to work with these, uh, work with the hub that we have built. Um, I think uh, a lot of sort of like modern deployment, software deployment tools have moved into the IoT space. Um, In terms of hiring, uh, yeah, I think it's, yeah, we we probably look for like people who are super familiar with Linux, <laughs> and uh, you know DevOps uh, for sure. Um, but uh, on you know there's also a lot of work to be done on the on the API side, right? So uh, just someone who's who's a standard good old like backend engineer uh, is also very valuable to us. But uh, on on the IoT side, I think um, something that is uh, special to think about as well is also thinking about uh, how your 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 technology is is, is going to be deployed. Uh, so kind of in my experience at Sonder really like I was working with a lot of different uh, non-technical teams across the whole world and really trying to sort of make sure that the the system that you build is easy to use and easy to debug right it's is a whole nother skill Uh, and yeah certainly thinking of uh, you know looking for people who are able to uh, empathize with with the non-technical users on the other side and and be able to sort of like Make make the the interface a little bit simpler for for them to use. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's it's um it's it's interesting to know. Like for me as a uh, so I'm not technical. I'm very good at no code, which I guess is slowly becoming slightly more technical. But like I'm not, you know, I can't ship a back end or anything like that. I'm always mm-hmm. intrigued in like how you you kind of think about team building in different industries. Since you have started seem what have been some of the biggest learnings you've had it could be about team building it could be around the product that you built the market you know differences between a bigger company versus smaller what been some learnings that you've come across
1: yeah i think the first learning that we had um so we just came out of uh, yc and and one of the partners is a big proponent of uh, how to how to conduct uh, user interviews properly and and the learning there was uh you know a lot of people you know, a lot of people are very nice, right? They want to say great things about your company, make you feel good. Um, so when you're conducting user interviews and trying to figure out, like, you know, what is it that we should build that will actually provide value to a customer that they, you know, they will pay for, right? Um, you kind of have to be really careful about how you phrase your questions to see, like, you know, well, is, this, is this a really painful problem that I'm solving for this other person? Um, so I think that was uh, a learning early on when we were trying to sort of like assess out, like, which problem should we focus on first? Uh, and I think the learning there was basically like, a lot of people have problems with access and a lot of people have problems with feeding in data. So um, let's go solve those two problems first. So that was the first learning. Uh, the second learning is, I don't know, I mean, I guess talking to all these customers, there's, you know, after Weiss demo day, we got a lot of pains from all over the world. Like <laughs> we got featured on some random Taiwanese podcast as well, and we got, you know, a couple asian agent companies like paying us and, um, Super exciting, but at the same time, like we have to be careful about not spreading, um, you know, attention too wide. We need to sort of like really execute on the the first few problems that, um, you know, that we want to solve, and you know, make sure that we stay focused. Uh, but I think that's another learning that I am I'm, I'm trying to remind myself of daily of just like stay focused, uh, solve this problem well, and then we can go on and uh, conquer the world. So. Mm-hmm.
0: I actually want to focus in on that just because that's a problem that I would argue like every founder deals with just like, Mm -hmm. you know, the shiny object syndrome in some capacity, you know, wanting to do this when you're focused on this. How do you, how do you stay focused? Um, Mm -hmm. and, and, and how also, I guess it's a double pronged sword. So like, how do you stay focused? But also if you see an opportunity, um, that, like is within bounds of focus, but you're not sure like how do you determine what, to, I guess the question is like, how do you know what to work on or not? And how do you keep right. those guardrails rails of your focus?
1: Yeah, I think initially we're um, looking for partners that can work with us really closely. Um, so a lot of these initial customers are, are startups that have you know small deployments that are nearby, right? So that we can sort of kind of go in person to kind of really handhold the process and make sure that we're doing it right. Um, in terms of feature set, I think what we're uh, the way we're choosing what we want to work on is really talking to a bunch of different customers and seeing you know what are the commonalities uh, there and you know what is the sort of like simplest thing that we can build to really cater for uh, a number of different people uh, so I think that's kind of how we think about it initially uh, as for uh, you know exploring like opportunities that are outside of the scope of what we can explore, I think It's still important to talk to these people to see, you know, like what are the needs that they have, and and keep that in mind, right? For you know, maybe in the future when you have a little bit more bandwidth, you can uh, you can cater to them. Uh, But yeah, I think right now we're we're trying to be a good resource for those companies, and you know, provide like good you know suggestions for maybe like what devices they want to use or uh, how they want to set up their systems. But uh, yeah, certainly I think for now we're focusing on uh, American companies, American startups. Uh, with developers on, on, on their companies that can sort of work to integrate with our technology.
0: And then my last question before we kind of go to the final couple is who, I, I just almost out of my curiosity, who is like your ideal customer? Is it, you know, factories as just large startups with offices? Like who who do you want to be working with in, in a, in a perfect world? If you had all, all the ideal customers knocking at your doorstep?
1: Yeah, totally. I think uh, right now, um, Our our, our product is is still pretty technical right now uh, because we're still kind of building out all the different features. So I think our ideal uh, customer is uh, someone that is someone that, a company that has a technical, oops, sorry, there's a, don't mind the noise in the background, but. um, (laughs) All good. (laughs) Yeah. uh, But a company that has, so, I think that ideal customer is a, uh, a startup that has a little bit of physical automation that they need to do uh, and has a technical team that is able to sort of work with us to integrate with our API. Cause right now, I mean, I think in the future we'd love to sort of like maybe move closer towards the no code world and make it super easy for non-technical people to build out these automations and uh, you know, get things set up. But for now, I think, uh, yeah, we we definitely need a technical pe- person to 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 onboard our system. Um, so yeah, just a startup that has uh, physical automation needs.
0: And then let's say you find that you know a million of these startups, you become a big company, um, and you know you know things just go as planned over the next five ten years. Mm-hmm. Um, what does this look like in in ten years? Or I guess in other words, what's your big vision today, and kind of like what direction are totally. you growing in with Seam?
1: yeah i mean we really like to become the api in front of every building in the world right just like you know there are so many different uh there's like thirty trillion dollars of real estate in america and you know we we'd like to help our companies and people uh fully utilize the the full potential of these these spaces and you know glean learnings and also sort of you know create these you know one wonderful experiences on on top of their uh their uh, their space. (laughs) I think that's, that's really the vision of, uh, of scene. And then
0: to make that happen, you'll need some help, right? Like you'll need customers, you'll need employees, maybe investors if you want investors. Um, but I can guarantee that you'll need help from the forward thinking founders community. So for my last question for you is how can the forward thinking founders community help? Are you hiring, looking for partnerships, looking for customers? How how Mm -hmm. can the listeners help?
1: Yeah, totally. Uh, we're definitely looking for, we're definitely hiring and we're also looking for more customers uh, but on the hiring side like if you're uh, you know a great backend engineer uh, we'd love to talk to you and see you know uh, if there's an opportunity for you to help us out uh, secondly we're also looking for more design partners uh, to help guide our product development so if uh, you're a startup and you have uh, various different IOt automation needs do feel free to reach out uh, at the very least we can give you some advice on you know what system might work best for you but uh, you know, if it all works out, we'd love to collaborate with you uh, as well.
0: And then, for my last question, is how can people get in touch? Where, where can they find you online? Um, mm-hmm. Are you on social media? Can they email you? What's the scene's URL? How can people get in touch?
1: Totally. Um, so, our website is it's getseam.com. It's G E T S E A M dot com. And uh, my email is uh, D A W N. At getseem.com. So just feel free to ping me. Uh, go on our website. There's a little chat, you know, button in the in the corner. You can always chat us. Uh, but yeah, um, do reach out. That'd be awesome.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast.
1: Mm-hmm. Thanks so much, Matt. It was a uh, lovely speaking with you